job, brother. Hey, good morning, good morning. We got the air-conditioned side and the heated side this morning. So uh, welcome to Freedom Biker Church. Hey, man, look, if you're going to come to Freedom, look, we ride motorcycles, so you got a coat on. We're going to have the doors open most of the time, okay, unless it's just absolutely frigid outside, and then we'll have them closed. We're not stupid, but we are bikers, and we like being, we like being outside, okay? So I'm just saying, heads up, if you're new to Freedom, heads up, okay? So uh, don't let that distract you this morning for what God's going to do. Uh, are you excited about what God's already doing in your life? Okay, look, if you're not excited, then this is your week. It's Thanksgiving week, okay? So this is your week to get excited about what God's doing. And it's not about the circumstances. It's about Him. Amen? So uh, that's what we're going through. As we've been going through Genesis and as we've been studying about Genesis, that's the whole key. Don't, don't miss the point of Genesis. What's the point? Because look, man, if we're not building on the right foundation, what do we what do we got? We got a mess. We we got a mess. Foundation's got to be right. Oh, oh, we can't we can't we can't do anything else. Okay. Last week we went through chapter the end of chapter four and all the way through chapter five. <clears throat> it was about the descendants of Noah. Uh, really, Seth's descendants, and uh, so we looked at that. And Seth's family, or those recorded, you notice in there where it said they began to worship God, and they experienced a relationship with God. It said they called on Him by what? By name. Man, they knew. I mean, they knew there's a relationship there, right? I don't know about Him. No, I know Him. Okay, man, that's that's critical. Don't miss that. Because in, in chapter 4 ahead, who were who we talking about in chapter 4? Starts with a C, killed his brother. Cain, okay? There's not a whole lot of mention about, about them in terms of God, right? What's it all about in chapter 4? It's about their kingdom. Their kingdom versus God's kingdom. Guys, you know that, that hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. Do you know life and the choice that we make every day, is, is, it's about that? It's about the earthly kingdom or God's kingdom? My kingdom, God's kingdom. Am I going to do it my way, my will, or is it going to be God's way, God's will? And man, that's still prevalent today, isn't it? We still struggle with that. Do y'all? Y'all still struggle with that? Hey, if you're breathing, you do. Crazy. And that's the big difference we saw there. You know, going through those descendants, we saw, you know, Enoch, right? All of a sudden, Enoch's 365 years old. It said, hey, he was walking closely with God. And then one day, what happened? He was no more because God took him. How's that, man? Wouldn't you like to be so close with God that one day God just says, I want that boy to come home with me. Whoop. Hey, if you don't believe in the rapture, right there it is. Okay, see, foundation's everything, right? Foundation's everything. One day Jesus is going to come back, and those who are his kids, those who are walking in close fellowship with him, guess what's going to happen? Whoop! 
They're gone. Jesus told us that. Matthew, I think it's 24. He's talking about the ends of time. And you know what he tells? You know what he tells his disciples? He said he references this chapter where we're at. He references this. He says, hey, in the end of time, things are going to be as they were in the days of Noah. Look, two are going to be working in the field. One's going to be taken. One's going to be left. Two are going to be, two ladies are going to be grinding flour. One's going to be taken. One's going to be left. Man, don't miss that. Don't miss that. It's foundational. It's foundational to the, to the kingdom we're building here. It's either God's kingdom, right? Or our own. Man, don't, don't miss that. So here we are in chapter 6. Uh, and chapter 6 is about the other guy that was mentioned in chapter 5. Lamech finally has this kid, and they prophecy about him. Not a lot shared about him at that point, but now we're getting ready to get into to, uh, to his life. And, and it was prophecy that he would be the one that would deliver us from all our hard work and toil, right? His name was Noah. So let's check it out. We're going to go through about verse 8. And the title today is An Infected World. Infected. You ever been infected by anything? Verse 1. When human beings began to increase in number on the earth and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of humans were beautiful and they married any of them they chose. Then the Lord said, my spirit will not contend. That means, what does it mean to contend? Remain with or put up with, right? With humans forever, for they are mortal. Mortal there, that word is, they're of the flesh. Or in other words, they're corrupt. Aren't we? The Bible says, Romans 6, right? All have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of God. Their days will be 120 years. Verse 4, the Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterward when the sons of God went to the daughters of humans and had children by them. They were the heroes of old men of renown. And verse 4 is just elaborating more on verse 1. And then verse 5, look at this. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. Man, we think it's bad today. We think things are getting out of hand today. The Lord regretted, verse 6, the Lord regretted, here's how bad it was. The Lord regretted that He had made human beings on the earth. It says His heart was deeply troubled he was grieved. In other words, God had a broken heart. You ever lost something? You ever had a broken heart? Have y'all? Man, we're still grieving over a stinking English bulldog. I'm telling you. That was June. And we're still, man, still heartbroken over losing that, that dog. And some of us have lost children. Some of us have lost parents. Some of us have lost, lost spouses. Man, we grieve, right? Man, your heart's broken. Think about God's heart, man. Every one of his kids, everybody all the time, all they're thinking about is evil. God's heart was broken. 
deeply troubled, he said. So the Lord God said, I'm going to wipe from the face of the earth the human race I've created. And with them, the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground. For I regret that I have made them. And I got to stop there for a minute, man, because when I read that, when I read that and I was praying this week, I thought, man, do you want to be the kind of person that God regrets you were ever born? Do you want to be the kind of person that God regrets He created you? Or do we want to be the kind of person in the next verse? But Noah. Noah, read that with me. Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. In other words, Noah lived in such a way that it pleased God. Man, that's a drastic distinction in two, two ways of living, isn't it? Now, now look, one's kingdom, one is earthly kingdom. One is me, myself, and I. One is earthly focus, and one is what? One is a godly focus, one is kingdom, one is heaven focus. So let's look at that, man. And, and, and again, before we start, you know, I, I said I think it's like the third or fourth time I've shared this. It's not a physical battle, is it? It's not physical, but it's a spiritual battle going on, Okay. There's a spiritual battle going on, Ephesians 6, 12. You know, you can reference, reference that to really get into what this spiritual battle is all about. But Satan is doing anything and everything possible, okay? Anything, everything possible to stop, what one, to destroy God's design, to destroy God's creation, and then to stop God's plan and purpose, Okay? He's trying to destroy. Check it out. What did he say in Genesis 3.15? God told Satan, hey, through Eve's offspring, one's going to come that's going to do what? Crush your head. So he's doing everything he can to try to stop that from taking place. Did you know even today Satan is still trying to do that? He's trying to steal, kill, and destroy the Son of God in our life and from His head being crushed. Because what is head? What's the head a symbol of? Come on, help me. In government or any, in any organization, any, what do we start with? What is the head? The head's a leader. Do you, do you see the symbolism here? We're going to crush your head, Satan. We're going to crush your leadership, Satan. We're going to crush your influence. We're going to crush your kingdom. Because who's, who's, who needs to be the head? Duh. Jesus Christ needs to be the head, right? So verse 4, let's pick it apart. When human beings began to increase in number on the earth and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw the daughters of human were beautiful. And they married any of them they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit will not contend with humans forever, for they are mortal. Their days will be 120 years. 
the Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God went to the daughters of humans and, and had children by them, they were heroes of old, men of renown. Now, as, as, as I've read and we've done some studying, because, man, I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a scholar, I'm not a theologian, so I had to go through here, man, and start digging and looking. What does the Bible say? And here's what I do, man. This is, this is a J.D. thing. I like to look at things that are in context of God's Word, and then I think the Bible is the best interpreter of the Bible. Okay? Now, I know there's a lot of books out here written by men that can interpret the Bible, but I think if, if we keep things in context, and then let's look at the Bible to interpret the Bible, I think we'll be safe all the time. I don't think we'll be steered the wrong way. Okay? Now, there's three viewpoints, and I'm not telling you what to believe this morning. Okay? I'm going to share the viewpoints, and then I, I'm going to share a little bit of what I think is, is in the context and, and where we get some biblical interpretation. So there's one that stands out as, as probably a better view than the others, but I'm just sharing that, man, in the context of God's Word. So I always challenge you guys, you go back and you read, and maybe God reveals some stuff to you, and you see something we don't see, and, uh, and come and let us know and share that, okay? But uh, just going to share, share what it is. One of the views is that these sons of God that have, do- have, uh, have gone after these daughters of humans are, are the sons of Seth, okay? And he married with Cain's daughters, okay? So here you got the, the godly, right? Godly marrying the ungodly, and uh, that could be the case. I'm sure they did intermarry. God didn't, God didn't say not to, right? However, nothing's really mentioned about the sons of Seth, remember? All we know is Enoch, and all we know is about Noah. Uh, Noah's just been born, so it's probably not him. Enoch was taken back to heaven, right? Now, all of Seth's folks are not godly, right? They just mentioned a few of them. Some are probably, some have probably drifted. Uh, but it doesn't give a lot of information there about that. And also, it doesn't give a lot of foundation for the Nephilim, the giants, heroes of old. And, and why, would God destri- why would God decide to destroy all of mankind just because Seth's Marrying with Cain's people. I mean, don't, don't seem to make a whole lot of sense, does it? I mean, the weight of that just doesn't seem to justify God wiping out the whole world, does it? So, uh, and, and there's not a lot in God's Word that corresponds with this view. Uh, the second view that's out there is that the sons of God were powerful earthly kings. Okay, powerful kings and rulers. And now, not a whole lot up to this point has been shared about kings and rulers. The only one we know about is Cain. And it doesn't say that he was a king or a ruler. It just says he built a city, right? So that doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. And again, we don't have the foundation uh, for the Nephilim. We don't have the, the foundation for uh, why God would really wipe out the entire human race just because kings and rulers uh, were mentioned here as the sons of God. And now here's the third view, and this is the view that we're going to touch our base on today. The sons of God are angels. The sons of God are fallen angels, okay, who either, one, take the form of men, or they possess, take possession of men. In some, notice it said they took whatever beautiful women they wanted. So it's some perverted form of marriage, not God's design, some perverted form, uh, and they're doing that. To destroy God's design. To affect, or the better word is infect. To infect the human race and Eve's offspring. To destroy God's plan and His purpose to crush Satan's head. 
because he's trying to protect himself, right? So this view does give some foundation because it says the offspring of, of this relationship were Nephilim, the giants of old. So it gives some, some context there. It also gives a more valid reason for why God would want to destroy the entire human race, doesn't it? Uh, and also there's some scriptures I'm going to read later uh, in, in Jude and also I think it's Second Peter that correspond uh, here to this and, and help us. And look, in, in, in the Old Testament, the oldest book in the Old Testament, y'all know what it is? Oldest book, Job, right? Here, this, this word sons of God in Genesis is the same phrase that's used in Job in the Old Testament. And, and it all, almost always refers to angels, uh, not men. So Job 1.6, one day the sons of God, angels, came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan, the accuser or adversary, who's also a what? An angel, came with them. Y'all remember the story? They come along, God said, hey, where y'all been? I said, well, he said, I've been walking to and, to and fro the earth, you know, God said, hey, man, have you considered my boy Job? Ain't nobody like him. Job said, really? Yeah, that's because you bless him all the time. You got your hand on him. Take your hand a blessing off of him. See what see what happens. He'll curse your face. So y'all know how that whole story went, right? Job had a hard time, man. Talk about 10 funerals. Family. I mean, he lost everything he had, man, in, in, in less than a week. Job 2.1. After Satan's attack on Job... One day the sons of God, there it is, angels, came again to present themselves before the Lord. Satan also came with them to present himself before the Lord. And then down in Job 38, Job goes through that whole thing, you know, and, and Job is questioning God, and, and uh, here, God answers him. 38 verse 5 and 7, God says, Hey, where were you when I established the earth? Tell me, tell me if you have understanding. Who fixed its dimensions? Certainly you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? What supports its foundations? Or who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and all the what? Sons of God or angels shouted for joy. So here we have reference to sons of God in Genesis chapter 6. And it's not a man, it's angels more specifically, it's fallen angels. Now, how could it be fallen angels at this time? Well, look, man, Satan, we already saw chapter 3, right? Genesis 3, Satan has already tempted Eve. And when Satan fall from heaven, uh, Revelation, I think it's 12, verse 4, verse 9, it says that, that the dragon swept one-third of the angels out of heaven, or the stars out of heaven. Look, a third of the angels in heaven went with Satan, Okay? That's your fallen angels. That's your, what's another word for it? Starts with a D. That's your angels, fallen angels, and your demons, right? So uh, that's, that's kind of where we're at here. These are, these are fallen angels that have concocted this idea that we're going to take these earthly women, we're going to marry them. We're not going to do it God's way. We're going to do it our way, an earthly kingdom way, right? And we're going to produce a race of people, and we're going to infect the entire human race. That's kind of where they're at. And now chapter 6, we're starting out like a horror movie, right? I mean, this is like, y'all remember Twilight Zone? This is like an episode <laughs> from the Twilight Zone, right? But look, man, it's already happened. 
In chapter 3, Satan appears to Eve. What happens? How did Satan do that? He either took the form of what? A serpent, or he possessed a serpent and came to Eve, right? So we already see this happening. So if Satan can take the form of a serpent or possess a serpent, can his demons take the form of a man or possess a man? Absolutely, right? Angels have taken the form of men. Look, many times in the Bible, Genesis 18, Exodus 23, Dan chapter 9, Psalm 34, Psalm 91, Luke 24, Hebrews 13. So it's all over the place in the Bible where, where angels can take the form of men. Now, can they possess? Can demons or fallen angels possess people? Absolutely. Absolutely. Matthew 9, 12, 17, Mark 7, Luke 4, 22, Acts 16. Hey, the most well-known is what? Y'all remember? Jesus met him on the other side of the lake. Y'all remember? The demoniac, right? Jesus told his guys, get in the boat. I'll meet you on the other side of the lake. They get on the other side of the lake, and this cat that was living in the tombs, right? He was completely naked. They bound him up in chains. Chains can't hold him. He's breaking chains off of him, okay? He meets Jesus screaming at him. What do you have to do with me? What are you going to do with me? Don't torture me. Don't forget that. The demons in this guy are telling Jesus not to torture him. That's the demoniac. Now we know he, Jesus cast the demons out, right? And the demons said, look, what, here's a herd of pigs. Let's go in these herd of pigs. Jesus let them go into a herd of pigs. Let them go into a herd of pigs. The herd of pigs, the whole herd run off a cliff and, and drown, right? And then the demoniac is sitting beside Jesus, dressed, fully clothed, in his right mind when he's been healed. So, man, that's probably the most famous one in the Bible, man. That's in Mark chapter 5. You can read about it, but, man, that's, that's, that's crazy. And we see stuff all the time on TV. Man, look at the news. Turn the TV on. People doing stupid stuff today, man. There's all kinds of, I think, evil possession going on, right? And look, whether it's, whether it's a fallen angel taking the form of a man or, or a fallen angel possessing a man, you know, you know what it is, bottom line? A man is being used to do Satan's work. A man is being used to do Satan's work in his kingdom. Look, Romans 8, 16 and 17 says, We're slaves to the one we obey. Either sin, Satan, or the Savior. Are we letting Satan use us? Are we letting Satan use us? You know, when it's about my kingdom, when it's about me, myself, and I, when we're focused on the earthly, Who's the head? In that, in that realm, who's the head? Isn't it Satan? But man, why? I mean, what's the point of fallen angels? I mean, why? What's the point? And you know, I look at that and I always ask why. Probably too many times. But you got to think about where we're at. We're in the 10th, possibly the 11th generation here after Adam and Eve. If you do the math, 
there's about 1656 years, almost 1700 years, okay, that man has been created, man has existed, okay? The lifespan of man is about eight, nine hundred years, right? They're living a long time. So what are they doing? They're in, even though they may not be godly, right? Even, even Cain's people, Cain's descendants are not godly, but aren't they enjoying the blessings of God? Whether godly or ungodly, whatever kingdom they're in, whether they're focused on God or focused on their own kingdom, they're still enjoying the blessings of God. How are they doing that? What, what's the one thing they're doing where they're enjoying the blessings of God? Marriage and family. Marriage. Family. They're getting married. God's design. They're having kids. God's design. They're, they're, they're just, I mean, the population's exploding here. I mean, we have it in, this, you know, in our mind that there's only a couple of thousand people alive at this time. Guys, the population's exploding. And God is blessing those, no matter who's the head, no matter what kingdom they're in, God is blessing that. Because if you do things God's way, you know what's going to happen? Come on, help me out. If you do things God's way, even though you're not really focused on God, but you do it God's way, what's going to happen? There's going to be a blessing take place. In Matthew chapter 7, the religious leaders went to Jesus and they said, Yes, Lord, but we did this in your name. We did that in your name. We cast out what? Demons in your name. And you know what? In the name of Jesus, what was happening? Blessing was taking place. But Jesus said, look, I didn't know you. Depart from me. Get away from me. I didn't know you. We can do things God's way. And, man, I'm going to tell you, when you do it God's way, there's a blessing that's going to take place. Because God's way is not going to fail. It's not. So we can do things. We can have church. We can be religious and not have a relationship. So when you do things God's way, a blessing is going to take place. So, look, these demons know that. They're trying to destroy God's design, okay? Look, God's design for marriage. Well, let me back up a minute. This whole population of the earth. I want you to think about something. When the children of Israel, when Joseph was leading, right? He was second in command of all Pharaoh. There was 70 people in his family when they went into Egypt. A couple of generations later, all the Pharaohs that knew Joseph died. And the other Pharaohs go, wait a minute, man, these daggone Hebrew people, they're going crazy. They're producing people like right now. I mean, this, they're going nuts. So they take the Hebrew people as what? Slaves. And they were in Egypt as slaves for how many years? 400 years. When the children of Israel left Egypt, how many people left with them? Hebrew people left with them. 400 years. About 2 million people. Guys, in, in, in 400 years, you got 2 million people. Right here, we got 1,700 years, and folks are living to be seven, 800 years old. Okay? At the very minimum, there's 8 million people in the world. Now, some people, if you do the math on it, and you look at the growth rate or the birth rate at that time, some people think there could be as many as 4 billion people in the world at that time. Now, the population of the United States is only 335 million. Okay, does that tell you something? This is not just a couple thousand people. This is a lot of people at that time. So, look, God's design for marriage, are they being blessed? Man, they're being blessed, right? 
So God's design for marriage, for the family, do you know that's the foundation for life? God's design. That's the key word in all of this. Marriage and families are the foundation for all nations and societies. Look, God's design for marriage and the family, do you know that's the bedrock, the foundation of the church? It, it, not only the church, but a healthy society as well. Honoring the family was put in the Ten Commandments. Did y'all realize that? Commandment number five. What does it say? Honor your, y'all help me, honor your father and mother that your days may be long. It's the only commandment with a promise to it. You think it's important? You think marriage, you think God's design for marriage and the family is important? It's so important he put it in one of his Ten Commandments to Moses. Godly marriage was one of the only institutions that was used to compare our relationship with Christ and the church. Think about that for a minute. God established three institutions in the beginning of time. What's the first institution that was established? Marriage. Second one, what was it? Church. Third one, what was it? Government. Do you know it's in that priority? Guys, it's in that priority. Marriage, church, government. That's the priority that God established. Because if the marriage is not right, see, if marriages are falling, if marriages are failing, as that goes, the rest of society goes. So what do you think? What do you think about that question of why now? See, God's design for His creation. Look, God's design for life, marriage, sex, kids, how we raise our kids, how we educate them for our family, for worship, the family structure, work, rest, play, all of that is critical to doing it His way. And when we do it His way, we're successful. And look, when we do it His way in a relationship with Him, It's mind-blowing. But Satan, what does Satan do? Satan wants to infect and destroy all of that, right? These fallen angels, they want to negatively affect or infect God's design for mankind. Everything that we just talked about. That's what's taking place right here. And look, man, at... at I'm going to choose my words carefully here. At the risk of offending people here today and online, who do we think is in control if we're not following God's design? I mean, really, think about that for a minute. There are only two heads, right? There's, there's God's kid, only two kingdoms. And if we're not following God's design, if we're not following and doing it God's way, then who do we think is in charge? Who do we think is, is leading? Who do we think is in control? You think we are? Look, man, this, this hasn't gone away. What's happening in America today? What's happening in the world today? Marriage is being destroyed. Families are being destroyed. God, here it is, man. Bottom line, it ain't about marriage. It ain't about family. What's it about? 
It's about God's design. It's still happening. We're trying to, not we, but Satan, right, and all those in that kingdom are trying to destroy God's design. That's, that's a fact. Okay? Whether it makes you man, that's the fact, Jack. There are only two choices. Just two. It's God and his kingdom or Satan and his. There, there, there is no other choice. Verse 3, Luke. The Lord said, My spirit will not contend with man or put up with or remain in humans forever. They're mortal. In other words, they're of the flesh. They're corrupt. Their days will be 120 years. Now, there's been arguments right here. I'm not going to argue with anybody. There's two views here. This could be God saying, look, in 120 years, I'm going to wipe man out. Okay? That's the one view. The other view is it's about man's lifespan. Okay? Man will no longer live to be eight, 900 years old. He's only going to live to be 120. Well, like I said, the Bible interprets the Bible. So I start reading. Well, Abraham lived to be 175. Okay, 120, God said. 175. That don't line up. Sarah lived to be 127. 120, 127. So people after the flood lived to be older than 120 years. So I kind of look at God's word and I say, well, if it don't line up with God's word, then that may not be the right view, right? That's probably a safe bet, okay? So I think the viewpoint right here, or I, I, I think the context right here, the better context is God saying, look, in 120 years from now, I'm going to send a flood and I'm going to wipe mankind out. Now, could it be both? Yeah, it could be. I'm not going to argue the point. It could be. But for me, contextually and, and biblically, it just makes more sense that God's saying, in 120 years, I'm going to wipe mankind out, right? So, verse 4. Verse 4 is, again, about verse 1 and 2. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God went to the daughters of humans and had children by them. They were the heroes of old, men of renown. Now, this is, this is God sharing a little bit more detail about what happened when these fallen angels went and took human daughters. The byproduct or the offspring between those fallen angels and daughters of human, they're not some angel-like creature, okay? They're not, okay? It's not this superhuman race of, you know, uh, Marvel comics. That's not when that got started, okay? Okay. Uh, but, but they did produce giants, okay? That's what that word Nephilim there, Nephilim means giants, okay? Uh, those were produced, right? And look, what, what is the world, what does the kingdom of Satan think of them? Well, it just tells us. They were the heroes of old, men of renown. See, that's what, that's what Satan's kingdom thinks of them. That's what the world thought of them, okay? Here's these giant men that are produced by these relationships. I mean, these are mighty men. Some translations call them mighty men. These are men of war. These are, are I mean, hardly can be defeated by anybody. And what does the world look at? When the world, when Satan's kingdom looks at men, what do we look at? What are we looking for? What do we gravitate to? Powerful, mighty men who can't be defeated, right? Yeah. 
the statement there also afterward leads us to believe this might have took place after the flood as well. Fallen angels after the flood. Now, everybody was wiped out during the flood. But after the flood, fallen angels could have taken the form of men or possessed men. And we know there was giants after the flood, right? When the children of Israel got to the promised land, there were giants in the land. Descendants of, uh, I think it's Anak. And then Goliath. Goliath was a giant, right? Nine foot six. So we know there were giants after the fact. So this, this, this could have happened after the fact as well. Again, there's not a lot of detail here. So I don't, I don't want to share a whole lot about it just because we, we, we don't know. And, and I don't want to speculate. But I think it's, I just think it's sad. I mean, the only word, I was trying to come up with a word, man. How do you describe, what adjective can you use to describe? And the only word I can come up with is just is sad. It's heartbreaking at, at, at where we are right here. You know, for a long time, man, I mean, you know, I, I, I had some thoughts in my head about God's Word and about God and, and about the Bible that didn't line up with God's Word. And, and you know, I had, to, I had to get in the Bible. I had to start reading, and I had to start looking at things and studying things. And, uh, man, for a long time, I didn't understand why God, why would a holy God, why would God wipe out the entire human race? If there was 4 billion people alive on planet Earth at that time, are you kidding me? Why would God wipe out that many people? I mean, that seems, that's cruel, isn't it? I mean, old, old elderly people, I mean, people who are successful, babies. I mean, why would, a, why would a holy God do that? Exactly. Because he's holy. That's the point, guys. Satan and his demons are deceiving and infecting entire human race. Look, how, how, does Satan, how does Satan do that unless it's got a willing vessel? You can't go through a door unless the door is open, right? God has to allow that, right? God, I mean, Satan can't do anything. Remember back to Job, right? Satan can't do anything unless God allows it. And Satan can't come in here unless we open the door to it. How do we open the door to it? We drift from God's kingdom to Satan's kingdom. That's how we open the door to those things, guys. God's given us free will to choose. You know, I mean, I, I, I remember... Y'all got kids? How many got kids? Growing up, I told not so much the boys. The boys are hard-headed. But our, our daughter, Erin, you know, I made, it, I made it a point when I told her something. If she didn't listen to me, I did what I said. If I told her, if you do that, this is going to happen. And if she did it, that happened. Because I was trying to establish that when I told you something, you better listen to what I say because I'm going to do what I say, okay? So just some parental advice right here. Stop saying it, okay? If you say it, then you need to follow it up and do it, okay? But did y'all ever get to the point with your kids where enough was enough? Did y'all ever have a defiant, anybody have a defiant kid or rebellious kid growing up? Huh? Were some of y'all defiant and rebellious? Did your kids, I mean, did your parents ever get to a point where 
enough was enough. See, I, I took the door off the hinges of Aaron's bedroom one time. I did. This is my room. You came in my room. I said, your room? Uh, I owned the door and the rest of the house. I took the door off the bedroom. God has given us free will, guys, to choose. Now, I can't wrap my mind around the free will to choose and God's predestinate and the whole, okay, we can get as deep as you want to get, get, get in that, right? But the bottom line is I have the will. God's given me the will to choose. But right here we see where God has put his foot down. God has said enough is enough. I think there is a fine line. I, I really do believe. I think there's a point where we can reject God. I think there's a point where we can deny God to a point where God says, that's enough. Now, does God abandon us? No. God will never abandon us, but I think God, like a parent, like some of us have said, you want that? You're going to keep doing that? Okay, that's enough. I'm over here. When you, get your, when you come to your senses, come back and talk to me. Y'all ever send any kids on down the road? So I'm sorry, but you're not going to live in this kingdom. You can't live in my home no more if you're going to continue to do that. Isn't that enough is enough? Isn't that saying, look, there's a line. You've crossed the line. Some of us have been there. And then look, man, look, look at 2 Peter 2. 4 and 5, and here's some, here's some verses in the Bible that, that adds context to what we're talking about here. It says, when angels sin, angels sin? Remember God's got authority? God has, God has set what they can and can't do. When angels sin, God did not let them go free without punishment. He sent them to hell and put them in caves of darkness where they're being held for judgment. And God punished the world long ago when he brought a flood to the world that was full of people who were against him. But God saved Noah, who preached about being right with God and seven other people with him. Again, guys, the Bible interprets the Bible. Jude's, Jude 1.6 says this, look, And I remind you of the angels who did not stay within the limits of authority God gave them, but left the place where they belonged. God has kept them securely chained in prisons of darkness, waiting for the great day of judgment. And the angels who did not keep their position of authority, but abandoned their proper dwelling, these he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting change, for judgment on that great day. Look, man, if God has given angels authority, if God has given angels, look, this is what you're allowed to do, do not go beyond that. And, and if they step beyond that, if God punishes angels, then who are we to think God's not going to punish us? <laughs> but God, look at this, even in His grace and mercy, even in God's, even when God says enough is enough, what does God do? He gives them 120 years. Man, even in God's punishment, even, even in God's, I'll not tolerate that no more. Even in His holiness, 
Man, he's still a God of grace and mercy. That's, that's the love of God, man, that he has for us, that he had for them. Man, I just can't wrap my mind around that. Can you? That God would love us that much? And, and in verse 5 and 8, here's probably the greatest evidence to support this view. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth and his heart was deeply troubled, grieved, or broken. So the Lord God said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I've created and with them the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground. For I regret that I have made them. Man, that's pretty hard. Every inclination of the heart of man was nothing but evil and wickedness all the time. I mean, I know people. We've read of people with no conscience, right? I mean, there's no remorse. I mean, we read about that Cain. Cain killed his brother, never said, God, I'm sorry. Never apologized, right? No remorse, no, no, no conscience, no conviction whatsoever. I mean, I've, I've, I've heard of people, and prison's full of people like that, right? Think about if everybody, everybody on, everybody on planet Earth is like that. Sin, disobedience, defiance, rebellion, evil, wickedness, to the point that God is sorry he even created us. And in that last verse, and man, what a great way to end today's message, right? It's been pretty depressing up to this point, hasn't it? I mean, it has. But Noah, read that again with me. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Guys, put that in perspective. There's 335 million people in the United States. One man and his family, seven others, out of 335 million people in the United States found favor in the eyes of God. Satan and the fallen angels have infected, infecting all of mankind. They're evil, they're wicked, sinful, defiant, rebellious. But one man, one man pleased God. Right? One man would be found faithful. See, Noah didn't give in to Satan, he didn't give in to that kingdom. He didn't allow the door to his heart to be open. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't allow. If he found himself drifting, what did he do? He would get back, right? It wasn't about me, myself, and I. I know it's about God. It's about his kingdom. How do we know that? Because it says Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Noah didn't choose Satan, sin, self, or the world. Be a Noah. Be a Noah. 
One man found to be righteous among all those other people. One man chose to honor, glorify, and worship God above all else. Be a Noah. One man in all of that. Think about this. He's living in this mess. He's not isolated. He's not a hermit. He's living in all of this. He's in all the sin, evil, defiance, rebellion, wickedness. But he's walking in fellowship with God. Be Noah. He didn't give in. He didn't give up. He didn't quit on God because of the circumstance or the situation. Can I say that again? He didn't give up. He didn't give in. He didn't quit on God because of the circumstance or the situation that he was in. Be Noah. He didn't give up, give in, or quit because it got hard or because he struggled. Anybody got some hard stuff in their life right now? Anybody struggling with anything right now? If you're breathing, let me tell you something. You're probably struggling. If not, it's going to hit you this afternoon. I'm just saying. Okay? And if you're not struggling, if you haven't, I mean, if, that's, if you don't even understand that, man, please talk to me afterwards. I want to know what you're doing. I want to know. I want the secret to that. Because Jesus said in John 16, look, man, if you're following me, if you're one of mine, you're going to suffer. But he didn't because he pleased God. Because he pleased God. Man, that one verse, that one verse, write that down, man. Underline that. Put it on your refrigerator. Put it on the mirror at home when you get up in the morning. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Noah pleased God. Man, you know, take, look, leave Noah's name there, but put a parenthesis next to it and stick your name in there. Okay? And then live to please God. Live to honor Him. Does God look at you when God thinks about you? Is that what pops up in His mind? Man, it should be. See, I believe today, man, I believe God's still looking for some Noah's. I believe God's still looking. For some Noahs, for some people who will say no to Satan and yes to God and walk closely with him. Man, I don't know about you, but that gives me hope. One dude, one cat, one man out of four billion people, are you kidding me? One, he didn't have no Iron Man group to call. He didn't have, hey, think about it, man. He had nobody. All he had was his family. But he honored God. That's all he had. See, he was doing it by God's way. He was doing it by God's method, God's design, God's way. I'm going to raise my family the right way. I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going I'm to honor God, glorify God. We're not going to deviate from God's plan and God's design. And look what happened. God used him and took that family. And everybody else was gone. Everybody else was wiped out. What's that tell you about God's design and God's purpose and doing it God's way? It's important, guys. It's critical. 
Don't bury, if you're a Christian today, if you have the Holy Spirit of God in you, don't bury your, your head in the sand to what's going on in the world today. We need some Noahs. Y'all, are y'all hearing me? You understand? We need some Noahs to stand up because Satan's doing everything he can today to infect God's design, God's plan, God's purpose to destroy the Son of God in, in the human race. And guys, a lot of people are going to die and go to hell. It's not going to be a flood. But they're going to be taken out and they're going to go to hell if they don't accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and then live in a way that pleases God. Amen? Guys, y'all come. Let's pray. Father, I pray today you take this message. I pray you would use it, Lord, to help us understand. And Lord, if we got nothing out of today's message, here's what we need to get. You've given us a design. You've given us a plan. You've given us a purpose for how we're supposed to live our life. You gave us your word so we wouldn't forget it, so we could go to it as a resource. Father, we need to ensure that we're about your design, your purpose, and your plan for our life. And not just in some religious aspect, but it starts, Lord, in the heart. It starts in the mind and in the heart. We've got to be willing to give our life to you. and We've got to be willing to let you be the head. Because Lord, if it's anything else, if it's anything other than that, then we're in Satan's kingdom. And he's the head of his kingdom. He will continue to be the head of his kingdom until Jesus comes back, until God takes everything out again. And until he puts Satan away in prison forever. So, Father, today I pray in Jesus' name that you help us understand enough is enough. We need some Noahs today, Lord. Church, we need some Noahs today. Father, I thank you for revealing this to me. Help me and my family be like Noah. Help me as a man to be like Noah. I pray that other men would get together and we would challenge each other to be like Noah. Help us in your name, Lord. In the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.